is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. With the Broncos now doing their mandatory mini started on Tuesday, you're going to get all the typical stuff about how everything is going great. They really like the new system. They love the coaches. I want to change it up on this podcast, Adam, Uh-oh. and read you something that James Palmer tweeted. Von Miller said Joe Flacco threw the ball 80 yards today versus the defense, and it was across the field. He rolled one way and threw it deep all the way to the other side of the field. What do we make of that? Because I'm trying to picture if he's rolling out to his right, he's throwing 80 yards across his body. Well, okay. So either way, it's all, impressive. <laughs> the no, I, I would imagine, and no offense to Vaughn, but he does wear glasses. Um, they're not real, but he does wear them. Uh, his it probably wasn't 80 yards. Let's let's be fair here. Um, it probably wasn't 80 yards. It was probably more like 70, 71, somewhere in there, which is still ridiculous. What do we make of it? Neat. 
you know what? It, it conjures an image in my mind of one. I can't imagine Joe Flacco rolling out. He's so statuesque. That's that's one issue I have with it. And the other one, I the other sort of image I get is the clip of. Do you remember Kyle Bowler? I do. Do you remember the clip of him throwing from his knee uh, a, a football through the uprights from the from the fifty yard line to show his arm strength? And do you remember Kyle Bowler's career in the NFL? It was short. If you blinked, you may have missed it. So I I, I don't – I like arm strength. I love that John Elway was the type of player that could – he would just, you know, go ahead and imprint the ball into your chest and then you'd make the catch because you didn't have a choice because it was, you know, stuck in there. And, you know, there are guys in the league who have, have had big arms. Brett Favre is another one. Uh, great. I'm glad you can throw the ball a long way. I'm less concerned about his arm strength than I am about his ability to run the offense. That's that's sort of my take on Joe Flacco throwing the ball 80 yards. Although 80 yards rolling to your right, it's just pretty impressive. Well, my whole point is, is that the last three years, we've wanted quarterbacks to just throw it to the sticks, throw it 10 because usually it was less than five. Yeah, no, I think I think I, I get where you're coming from there on that. That's a, that's a good point. That's a really good point because yeah, your your Trevor Simeons and your Case Keenum's of the world seem to think that uh, if you need ten yards to get a first down, you should throw it four and see what happens. And I don't think we'll have that problem watching Joe Flacco this year. I think the Denver Broncos will will challenge the sticks, if you will by actually throwing to them or beyond them uh, in in any situation, which which I'm ex- I am excited about that. I'm excited about the prospect of this being uh, an offense that stretches the field, but also has the ability, and this is what I love about Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman and, and what they've got going with the running game, also has the ability to play short, you know, to play the, you know, the dink and dunk stuff if you have to, but then can rear back and fire and actually – you know, connect with a guy who's 30, 30 yards downfield versus, you know, throwing it short or having a guy having to slow up to catch a ball. You, you, you can see the Trevor Simeon throws in your mind. It brings to mind that whole, that old cliche about 30, 40 years ago, three yards in a cloud of dust. Hmm. That was in reference to running offenses. That was the Broncos passing offense. The last three yard, the, the last three years, three yards and a cloud of dust through the air because that's the max that either of the quarterbacks could throw it on third and nine. <laughs> and then you mentioned it, how it's going to, it's going to stretch the field. You're not going to, uh, you're not going to be able to, to load the box up anymore to stop the run, to stop Philip Lindsay and or Royce Freeman. The other thing it's going to do is you're going to attack the middle of the field, which is something else that Broncos fans, you and me and, or you and I and the media and everyone else has been wanting the Broncos offense to do for the last three years, not just stretch the field, but attack over the middle. And hopefully now with Noah Fant as the number one draft pick and maybe Jake Butt or Troy Fumagalli or Jeff Hireman, they have that ability now to, to not only stretch the field, but do it over the middle over the middle of the field. So it just, the whole point of me bringing up 
that quote and tweet from James Palmer about Von Miller saying that Joe Flacco threw the ball 80 yards is that it, it gives you an idea of what this offense could potentially be like come training camp and then come train uh, the, the preseason and the regular season. It's not just to, to glamor and love Joe Flacco's elite arm strength. The other thing that comes to mind is, did he complete the pass? Yeah, yeah no, but I was going to say, did he complete the pass? And I love, I love that you jab that elite in there every chance you get. Like if, if you've been listening ever since Flacco uh, was acquired by the Broncos, every chance that Ian gets, he sticks the elite in there. So I like that you do that. I plop it out there and expect <laughs> it to perform. You got me. You got me. You got the tater. Uh, that was that was elite. Right that was there. elite. That was elite. You know what, what's funny to me though, and and I don't know. What do you think of this though? The Denver Broncos had the most prolific scoring offense in the history of the NFL with Peyton Manning, right? This was 2013, 13, 12, 13, 12. I don't know. 2013 because they played the Seahawks. That's right. That's right. I just, in my, the Super Bowl in all, 2014. It all, it's all meshed up and mashed up inside there and it kind of runs together. But uh, I wouldn't say that Peyton Manning was stretching the field. In fact, one of the things that I remember as being one of their best plays was that bubble screen to Demarius Thomas, or you know what I'm saying? Like it, it was dink and dunk, but it, but it felt like it was fast. So I think there's two ways to look at it. I think with Joe Flacco stretching the field, throwing the ball a long way, it's it, you don't have to play as fast, but you can. Whereas with Peyton Manning, everything was 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 quick, right? It was. A quick out. It was. It was the slant. It was the bubble screen. It was, and and every once in a while they'd stretch the field and and they'd go downfield, but they didn't have to. That to me was the problem with your Trevor Simeon and your Case Keenum and your your Paxton Lynch and those guys that they wanted to run essentially the same offense that Peyton Manning was running, but they couldn't do it because they couldn't run it as quickly as Peyton could. For for all of the problems he had with his hands, you know, not being able to feel the ball. His, his brain was sharp enough that everything was so fast. And I don't know if we'll get that with Joe Flacco and does his arm strength make up for that. I think that's sort of the, the point I'm getting at here is the, the offense was at its best in a dink and dunk offense, but it was so fast and then had guys that could play so quickly that it actually worked to the Broncos' advantage. That's not what you're going to see this season, I don't think. I don't really know. I guess that's going to be up to – all right, I got to ask, is it Rick or Rich Scangarello? Rich. It's Rich, not Rick, right? No. I think I've been saying it both ways. I don't know if it really matters. It's Rick. Well, it's kind of a big difference. I I guess. It's one letter. In terms of Joe Flacco knowing the offense, I go back to that quote from Jeff Hireman a couple of weeks ago where he said he's not just a couple of days or weeks ahead of everybody else he's six years ahead of everybody else because i think one of the things that that scangarello has done is since and we've talked we have talked about this since can since scangarello was hired one of the things that he does is he runs an offense that's basically identical to kyle shanahan which is a mold of gary kubiak and mike shanahan which is a mold of bill walsh 
the most successful season that Joe Flacco has had in the NFL came with Gary Kubiak as his offensive coordinator. And one of the things that Flacco said is that the terminology is almost identical to what he went through in 2014 with the Kubiak offense. Now, obviously, there's going to be little adjustments and slight differences because Scangarello and Kubiak are completely different people. But I think that's where it's going to be a huge benefit, and I think he is going to be able to have that mind that Peyton Manning had because he knows this offense. He knows the terminology, and he's going to be able to to work. One of the things that he's done over the course of OTAs the last three weeks and now minicamp the next two days is start to build that rapport and that chemistry because they've not only been on the field, they've been in the room. So they've been able to see it. They've been able to talk about it. Now they can go out and get repetition, which is so important. Right. I think that's a really good point. Uh, and I like that. And and that's sort of, that's the point of mini camp. That's the point of OTAs. That's the point of everything that they're doing is, is to, is that repetition piece, right? The, you want, you want to have good repetition. And so um, I think there's a lot of potential and, and it's funny because you talk about a guy throwing the ball 80 yards and what it really leads to is what it, what is the potential for this offense and can they be successful just because he has the arm strength doesn't, I mean, like I said, you know, Kyle Bowler is, is sort of the guy that pops into my mind, maybe because he's a Raven, right? And Joe Flacco was a Raven and that whole thing. But I think that Joe Flacco has proven that he can be a winner which is is kind of a big deal. It's kind of important. So, um, you know, for for me, uh, I I like where this is going as far as um, what's happening with with the offense. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The other newsworthy thing to come out of the first day of minicamp is Mark Kisla, the columnist, sports columnist with the Denver Post, asked Fangio how his defense plays so fast. I thought that was a great question. And the reason Kisla asked it is because when he was talking with new CU football coach, I believe his name is Mel Tucker. Is that right? It sounds right to me. I, I as, as a CU fan, I haven't really been my doing my duties as a fan. But he was the defensive coordinator at the University of Georgia. Yeah. This his most recent job before being hired in Boulder. And one he said, Kisla said one of the things that Tucker talked about was how fast Fangio's defense plays. So Kisla asked him how asked Fangio, how does his defense play so fast? And Fangio, as you would expect, said, well, the reason they play so fast is because they know their assignments. And they know their assignments. And they know their assignments. So, like, do your job? So, basically, you know what you're supposed to do, and you're in the right position. Huh. So, it's almost like you've been told 
what you're supposed to do and and why you're supposed to do it. And then you go out on the field and you execute that. You do your job. Ah, oh, sounds so much like Bill Belichick. It makes me I don't like it, but it's it's the truth. And because they do that, they're successful. Is is that is that what you're getting at here? It sounds like a teacher. It sounds like a, a teacher basically telling them everything they need to know. And then when the test comes, they know it, so they ace it. Yeah. You know, and if you don't ace it, it's your fault because the teacher gave you everything you needed to know. There's no surprise questions. There's no, ooh, I got thrown for a loop on this test. It's cut and dry. Right. And here's here's what you need to do. Here's how you do it. Here's the position that you need to be in to do it. Now go do it. The 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 thing I love about this, and this is something that as a teacher, we talk about this all the time. When you give an assessment, when you give a test, you should know what the outcome is going to be before you give it. You should already know what your students' abilities are. You should you as a teacher shouldn't be surprised. Like I know when I when I'm grading things, if I'm grading a test and I and everybody does a bad job, it means I did a bad job. It means I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I didn't teach them the right way or or I didn't recognize that they weren't ready for the test that I was giving them, right? I didn't know that they weren't ready. And so good teachers know before they give a test what their students are going to do. And and yes, you're going to have kids that are more successful than others, but you know what you're going to get. And I would tell you that good coaches, really good coaches can do the same thing. They can they can tell you, we're not very good at left tackle. We're going to struggle there. But we're solid on the interior line where we're going to be okay. Or, you know, we struggle covering the tight end. So we're going to have to adjust to, to fix that. But we're really good, you know, at rushing the passer. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a good coach is going to have the same ability as a teacher to say, it's time for you to do this. This is what I've taught you. You should be successful. Yeah, Johnny's not going to get it because that's just Johnny. And we're sort of stuck with Johnny. He's in our class. But everybody else knows what they're doing. And we can, we can make up for that. And so to me, uh, a good coach knows going into probably every game, this is probably what the outcome is going to be. Now it's on me as the coach to kind of make adjustments and things like that. But the players know where they're supposed to be, why they're supposed to be there, and, and when they're supposed to be there. They've got it all figured out. And and I love that. I love that we're able to make these analogies, partly because as a teacher, it's sort of it's in my wheelhouse, and partly because I think it actually works. And it's proven to work because, as you said, after I got done basically with that with that spiel, you said Bill Belichick. I did. It's a it's a proven track record to success, and it's not just Bill Belichick. You could go back further than that. You could go back to the '60s. And the reason I'm thinking about it is because of the recent passing of Bart Starr. Mm-hmm. That's Vic. That, that's Vic Lombardi. Vince Lombardi. I got confused Vic. with the oh. with the sportscaster. Oh, Denver. does he, does he listen? I hope he listens. We'll we'll have to give him a little shout out on the tweet there. But that sounds like Vince Lombardi. It sounds like Tom Landry, where you do what you're supposed to do. I am going to put you in a position to where it's easiest for you, and. That ties into the, to the uh, I guess the new contract for Chris Harris Jr. 
because it's gonna it's gonna put him in a situation to have the best season that he could potentially have, especially when you're pairing him with with Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson, and then with Justin Simmons and Will Parks. It when you think about what this defense is gonna be able to do, and you can go back to the other podcasts that we've done the last couple of weeks or Bradley Chubb saying that it's starting to come second nature already. And I think that's because of the coaching, not just the system, but the coaching. Now you add in the secondary. And the fact that Chris Harris Jr. is going to be back this year, and I know this is going to be the hot topic, and I, I guess I'm still suffering from battle scars because of Trevor Simeon, where I said that he was never going to be the starting quarterback for the Broncos. But I think with Chris Harris Jr., whether he comes back after this season or not, there's, like I was telling you before we started recording, there's too much we don't know. And I think not just with Chris Harris Jr., but there's also the quarterback. I think a lot of what the future holds with Chris Harris Jr. is tied to the quarterback position because they have the cap space. If they really want to bring Chris Harris Jr. back, they will. I think a lot of it is going to depend on the quarterback and if Joe Flacco plays elite or if he's if he's where he's been the last couple of years. But I, in the meantime, thinking about what this defense is, is going to be capable of. And then you add Chris Harris Jr. back to the fold with Bryce Callahan and with Kareem Jackson. This defense has the potential to be very, very, very good. Oh, yeah, I agree. I was on uh, <clears throat> I was on with the, the guys on Orange and Blue, um, you know, Ryan Edwards and, and Andrew Mason and, and good friend Steve Atwater. And uh, you know, we talked about that. And one of the things that I said was, that I think that this defense has the talent to be a top five or a, even a top three defense. And top three with Chris Harris, for sure. The 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 point that sort of everybody wants to make or everybody wants to know or the question everybody's at, well, what does this mean for his future? I think Chris Harris's future is up in the air because it's dependent on how well he plays. It's dependent on whether or not he um, – you know, wants to sign that big contract somewhere else. I don't think John Elway, because we know who John Elway is, right? It's not like it's a surprise to any of us that John Elway is the type of GM that isn't going to pay older players ridiculous amounts of money. So if Chris Harris Jr. goes out and has an incredible season, he's going to be in high demand. And there are teams out there that are going to offer him ungodly amounts of money to play cornerback money that John Elway isn't going to be willing to give him. And so he's probably going to leave. If he goes out and has a good year, plays well, and the Broncos are successful, I could see him maybe taking a a lower contract to stay in Denver because maybe the numbers out there aren't that much more. But it all is dependent upon that. And then if he goes out and he plays terrible, which I don't believe is going to happen, obviously, uh, you know, nobody's going to sign him, including the Broncos. So the, you're right. We we have no idea what's going to happen. We don't know which direction things are going to go, and it's kind. Of, you know, you kind of have to wait and see. But my prediction is, 
that he probably is going to be playing his last year in Denver. And I would like to think that in his last year in Denver, they can be very successful. And I think, again, that's a top three defense. And if the Broncos have a top three defense and they end up with a average offense, that's a Super Bowl contending team, don't you think? Like I I'm, think so. I'm not. I don't want to make predictions right now, but I think if you start, that was one of the things that we kind of got into uh, on the show as well. You, you kind of get to that point where, I mean, if you're this good on defense, like I, I'm raising my hand up in the air, like people can see me, and then you're only this good on offense, but it's like in the middle, you know. And you know, if you're really, really good on defense and just okay on offense, that sounds like 2015 to me. And I think that they can be better than just okay on offense. I I just I, I think people are undershooting their expectations for this offense because I, I keep going back to 2014. And I'm not I'm not saying that Joe Flacco is going to be 2013 Peyton Manning. But he has proven when he's in this offense, he is at his best. So I, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that this offense can be in the top half of the National Football League. Yeah, I agree and I with think, you. And I think one of the things that's going to be the biggest, I still think it's the biggest question mark coming into this season is the offensive line, and namely left tackle. What what are Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper going to be able to get out of Garrett Bowles? Because I think the interior of the line, even if Ronald Leary gets hurt or isn't able to go. I think the interior of the line is the strength of this offensive line. And I think right tackle, given how excited Munchak is with Juwan James, yeah. I think they finally have the right tackle situation figured out, hopefully. I mean, could you imagine? Now it's just a matter of what are they able to do with Garrett Bowles. And I still think that's the biggest question mark. And but it's not unrealistic to think that this offense can be in the top half of the league. And you know, the defense is going to be, is going to be good. It's going to be very good because that's Vic Fangio's MO. And when you have pass rushers and you have a secondary, a, a group of cornerbacks and then safeties, Benjamin Albright said that he expects Justin Simmons to take that next step. I think you can also say that about Will Parks. Yeah, I think I was just going to say Will Parks is, is – there are times when I think Will Parks is the better of the two. But I think that it goes back to the system. The system is better suited for players like Justin Simmons and Will Parks. It's better suited for linebackers like Todd Davis and Josie Jewell. So you can be excited. There's still a lot of questions. There's still a lot that we don't know and we need to see. But you can get excited again about this about this Broncos football team. Whether or not that means they win the AFC West or they contend with the with the Chiefs, time will tell. But you can be excited. And even Vic Fangio said it may not come in the first season, but it will come in two or three seasons, just as it did in Chicago. As for Chris Harris Jr., if he plays at an elite level. I don't know how you don't bring him back. Yeah. Because I, what you do is you, as we've talked about even before this renewed one-year contract, is you do a two-year deal full of guaranteed money 
and you have team options for a third and a fourth year. So that way, even so, if he plays at an elite level and he's Strap Harris, I don't think there's any doubt Chris Harris Jr. is going to want to come out and prove a lot of prove everybody wrong, namely John Elway. If he does that, you have to resign him. So you do a two-year deal full of guaranteed money, giving him the money he wants, and then you do a you add a, a team option, third or fourth year where you're protected. So if I, I don't know how if if he does play at that level that he has, I don't know how you don't bring him back. But stranger things have happened. So, and as I said, there's still a lot that we don't know. Right, and 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 you're absolutely right about that. I just think that for for my money, and I, I look at John Elway's track record, he's not going to pay older players elite money. He's just not going to do it. And it it's insane to think of Chris Harris Jr. as an older player, but he is. Right, I mean that that age threshold sort of catch up catches up with guys, and, and part of the problem that older cornerbacks run into, and, and maybe this is what will make Vic Fangio's system so much better for Chris Harris Jr. It's 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 that idea that you are as a cornerback constantly in a reactionary mode, right? I feel like wide receivers can play longer because they have that. Uh, and we've talked about this, they have that ability to just sort of go, right? You know what you're going to do. Cornerbacks have to be reactionary. And and you can study as much film as you want, and you can be uh, on top of, of everything. Things are all. There's always going to be instances where you miss something or you're just not quite as fast as you used to be or they, they do something a little bit different, and, and that's when a guy gets burned. And for... for you know, for all of the, the problems that people have with John Elway, he has sort of set a standard of I'm not going to pay guys elite money who are past their prime or who are getting close to being past their prime because you don't want to keep paying those guys money. Uh, you know, it's it's not like being a DeMarcus Ware pass rusher. It's, it's not being Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is a different story altogether. I just think that John Elway is, is going to be conservative on this because he's conservative on everything and so i i just don't see them bringing him back unless he shows that he is far and away the best cornerback in the nfl and and they and he could i i like your point we just don't know enough to really make a real prediction i'd love to see chris harris retire as a bronco but a lot of guys do that just by signing a one-day contract right I think the other thing to consider is how does he perform in this system? How does he perform with Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel and Ronaldo Hill? And I think that will go a long ways to, sh- to, to be, it's another indication right. of what he could potentially do. If he plays well and he knows the system, he might say, all right, I might not get as much money, but I'm willing to come back. And that's where you get that happy medium of, giving him the guaranteed money in the first two years because I don't think he's going to fall off in two years because at that point he'll be, he'll probably be around 32. But after that point, it's going to stay, it may start to get a little dicey and then the Broncos are protected because they have a third and fourth year option. But I, I, if I had to guess, I would, I would, I would say at this point I'm leaning towards, he's probably not going to be back with the Broncos, but I think that they're, there's a lot that could that could bring him back, and I think that a lot of it will depend on how he does and the system and how the team does. 
Right. No, I agree with that. And actually, this system, I think, favors him in a way that will would would give him a little more longevity in his career because he's not going to be tied to, you know, just that man-to-man coverage or, you know, it, it will give him some, some, I don't know, I guess the word is leeway, right? It'll give him a little bit of a, a cushion, so to speak. So that might, that might actually be to his benefit to stay in Denver and it will, you know, make his career longer. The the thing that, that the Broncos don't want to do and that they that I think that they are always trying to avoid is that Champ Bailey situation where you don't want to end up paying a guy past his prime ridiculous amounts of money. And and you know, you we have the example of Champ who is a Hall of Famer, absolutely, but those last you know, that last year or two, you could see that it was it was time for him to to, you know, be done, but he was still making an incredible amount of money for a, a cornerback at, at his age. So there, there's that. And then the decline happened against Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens in that playoff game that no one wants to remember. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody, nobody should talk about it. Be stricken from the record books. All right. Here's an interesting question before we say bye for the week. What is the more disappointing playoff loss? The loss to the Jaguars or the loss to the Ravens? And I think I've asked you that before, but oh, I'm yeah. curious. You know, what's here's what's interesting about both of them. In, in both instances, the Broncos eventually did win a Super Bowl. And so it kind of and I know this is going to sound strange, it it alleviates some of the pain, right? Like I I feel like if you went to Cleveland and you said which playoff loss was worse, the drive or the fumble? That would that, there's no there there is no Super Bowl silver lining, right? We have as Bronco fans that Super Bowl silver lining for both of those playoff losses where the Broncos came back and won the Super Bowl. With the the Ravens, it was a couple years after with the the Jaguars, it was the very next year. Which one was the most disappointing? I think you know. I think I've gone both directions on this. Every time you ask me, I think it depends on the direction of the wind. For me, though, I think it's the Jaguars' loss because that was a team that could have won three or four Super Bowls in a row, and instead they only won two. And could you imagine if Elway had finished his career having won three in a row? That would have been an incredible run to end his career on, and I think they could have done it. I think they would have done it. And I go back and forth too because that 2012 Broncos team was the best Broncos team that Peyton Manning played on. Oh, that 2012 absolutely. team was top five defense, top five offense. It was a stacked team, and it would have won the Super Bowl that year. It would have beaten the New England Patriots, and then it would have beaten the San Francisco 49ers. I have no doubt. Oh, I agree. No doubt. Absolutely. They were they would have been unstoppable the rest of the way. And I, I what we can both agree on is that both are horrible losses that kept the Broncos <laughs> from winning two more Super Bowls. Yeah, they should they should have five Super Bowls. At least five. Oh man. I just just it's a it's a that's a good question. Um did you have some would you rathers you wanted to do? You'd mentioned some would you rathers. You got one or two you wanted to do, or do you, you want to just save them? 
Let's save them for next week. Okay. I like that. I think that'll be a good topic for after mini camp. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny because it is off season and, and that's, you know, got to have something to talk about. Would you rathers are always fun. Like, would you rather talk about things or would you rather not? I don't know. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.